Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everybody to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Roger, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at texasfootball.com. You can uh, follow us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Uh, f- follow us on Instagram, Dave Campbell's. And make sure to pick up the new edition of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Summer Edition, available now in stores and online. The best way to get it is texasfootball.com slash subscribe, of course. And today, Ishmael's gone again today, but we have a very special guest We've got the Norman Transcripts' Joe Bettner. Hey, Joe, how are you doing? Doing good, Johan. How are you? I'm doing good, too. So Joe and I actually used to work together at our previous stop, diehards.com. But as we were talking about right before the show, uh, it's nice to kind of just have one thing that we do now. So Joe's now the Oklahoma beat writer, one of them at the Norman Transcript, uh, covering the football team. He's been around Oklahoma for a long time. And look, in the Big 12 world, it really just hit me maybe on Monday. <laughs> Media Day is next week. It is so close. We are so close to football. I cannot believe Media Day is next week. Yeah, it, it really kind of snuck up on me. And granted, it's because I took like a whole month off because I decided You're pretty to... busy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I decided to have like 12 weddings. It's fine. But uh, but now we're officially around the corner. Um, and over the last couple of days, the Big 12 has released some of their uh, – their, their preseason all-conference team. Today, they actually released a preseason poll. Let, let's start with the poll, because I think that that's kind of the more interesting one right now. So Oklahoma is pretty overwhelmingly picked to win the Big 12 again next year. I mean, that seems like the easy choice, right? I think so. I was actually a little bit surprised how overwhelming it was, but I mean, they're the four-time defending champ, and you really can't beat that. But I was surprised at that they kind of ran away with it as far as texas only getting nine votes that was a surprise to me yeah i think that the uh it ended up being what 68 for oklahoma nine for texas and they were the only two to get a first place vote so oklahoma overwhelmingly number one texas in terms of the in-state schools texas number two then iowa state tcu at number four oklahoma state at number five baylor number six texas tech number seven west virginia number eight kansas state number nine kansas number ten which of these, uh, which of the ten teams on the list do you think surprises you the most with where they are? I'm a little bit shocked that Oklahoma State was as not as low as they are. I just it, they're in a, they're such an interesting place for me. Like I, I think the the top four were pretty easy, but like I had I think I had, on my ballot I had Oklahoma State going number four, but honestly you could put any one of these Oklahoma state Baylor, Texas tech, West Virginia in any kind of order in the middle. And I was kind of surprised to see people were as high, as high on OSU as I was. And so I don't know, I guess maybe that validated my ballot a little bit, but um, that kind of, that was probably the big thing that stuck out to me. Other than that, like it was pretty just about what I expected. And other than, you know, like I mentioned, Texas getting nine votes, which I knew that, immediately off the top of my head because OU Twitter is already having a meltdown that anyone would have the audacity to give Texas a first place vote. But I, I mean, other, other than like OSU kind of just being up there, which is kind of validating my own pick, but um, it was a, it's pretty consistent with what we've seen. I mean, were you surprised at all that like West Virginia was as low as they are considering, I know they don't return a lot, but having a really, you know, pretty high profile quarterback out of high school, it's going to take over Will Greer. Did you did you expect them to any be a bit higher? 
You know, I, I was a little curious how people were going to vote because I guess when I look at the conference right now, uh, I think it's pretty neatly tiered because I do think Oklahoma and Texas are kind of a step above everybody else right now, at least. Um, I mean, I think that Iowa State probably is that consensus number three team, but I think that really, like you mentioned, I think three through six is kind of the second tier for me. Iowa State, TCU, Oklahoma State, Baylor. Uh, just based on their schedules, if you want to flip that up, I think that you could go any order and have a pretty good argument. Um, you know, I felt a lot better about West Virginia before they went and lost every single safety on their entire roster this offseason. That was a weird deal where all of a sudden they just started hemorrhaging defenders. Hey, if college football has taught me anything, or at least covering OU, you do not need safeties to be good. <laughs> you don't need them to be high quality. You don't really need them to be you know, tall. You you just need to throw some guys out there. And as long as you have the best offense in the country, it doesn't really matter. Oh. So maybe I'm I'm putting too much stock into what West Virginia will be able to do on offense. And I know that coaching change there, so it might not be what it was under and obviously I'm not saying Austin Kendall's Will Greer, but this is also a guy that's been in a quarterback room with Lincoln Riley. And, you know, if there's anything that, you know, three years being kind of under the wing of Lincoln Riley can do, I'm sure it produces somewhat positive results, but yeah, their, their defense is pretty, I kind of forgot about all the departures they've had. It's been quite a bit hard to keep up with this entire off season. Yeah. Well, because you, you look at this group again, I mean, I do think that the sort of second group of, of Baylor, Oklahoma State, TCU, Iowa State, I do think they're like half a step above Texas Tech and West Virginia. And then I think that the Kansas schools are kind of pretty far along at the bottom just because, I mean, Kansas Kansas. And I think that Kansas State, I mean, transitioning from Bill Snyder sounds like a nightmare. Just, just because you're going from a situation where you're running this weird sort of old school spread to all of a sudden maybe you're trying to run a little bit more pro style. I think it's just going to be a transition. But Tech and West Virginia are kind of interesting because – Tech, you know, you look at their roster, they have a decent amount coming back. You know, they have Alan Bowman, they have TJ Vasher, a really, really, really good offensive line, and some good playmakers on defense. Uh, but I, I just don't know what to expect of this team. Do you, do you kind of have an idea of what you think of them next year? I mean, before Alan Bowman had all of his injury issues, I honestly was a bit not uh, afraid of what Texas Tech could do in the Big 12 just because. I'm kind of used to them cratering midway through the season. And that's no knock on Texas Tech. They just they don't have the bodies usually to keep up with the depth of the you know OU and Texas of the world. Um, and I think that Alan Bowman. I mean, he's he's an incredible quarterback. Just how close to like I mean, how close to healthy is he? Or I mean, is do you think he could be? Uh, I guess on that same trajectory he was before these injuries. Because I think that's the big question for them. Is, is Alan Bowman, like, how much did that set him back? And also, is he still on that path to be a really good quarterback? Because I would love to believe he is, and I would love to see what Texas Tech can do because I really like him. And they really do have some decent uh, defensive pieces. Um, and it's kind of been weird the past few years kind of seeing some of the guys pop up on all Big 12 and stuff like that because you don't really think defense when you think Texas Tech. But, you know, I don't I, – I, I think they'll be, once again, just kind of the – quintessential sneaky big 12 team that if you get Lubbock on a 7 p like at 7 p.m like on a Saturday night like it might be a little bit uh a little bit scary but uh yeah it, it, it's hard to gauge where they're at I like I don't feel really comfortable knowing where they're I think I had them at seven on on my ballot so just kind of about I think they actually got picked yeah they got picked seven so 
it's uh they're they're a tough they're, they're a tough one to kind of figure out at this point yeah the, i'll tell you what the funniest thing about texas tech this past season especially was when you start googling texas tech uh all of a sudden all the basketball stuff starting to show up first that is a weird feeling i don't know what universe i'm in when all of a sudden that starts happening yeah that it, it's i mean honestly man it's been a weird year in sports in general because that that's happening the Nets and the Clippers are landing <laughs> top tier free agents. I d- it just doesn't feel nothing feels right anymore. This isn't our childhood anymore, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Where are we? But you know, Tech goes on the road to Oklahoma. That's tough. Uh, they go on the road to Texas. That's tough. They go on the road to West Virginia. I kind of think that's going to be kind of a p- pivotal game for them. And and I mean, really, that is kind of what it came down to for me. I did end up putting uh, West Virginia ahead of Tech in the poll, even though I think Tech might be more talented. Uh, you know, just the fact that they're going to West Virginia, I think that's going to be kind of the critical game for both of them. But anyway, moving on, uh, again, so Baylor at six. So the things that I'm looking at with Baylor this upcoming year, obviously they return a whole lot of production. Obviously uh, they have their quarterback back in Charlie Brewer. They've got Denzel Mims back. They've got some defensive pieces like James Lynch and Clay Johnston. What do you think they need to do to kind of take that step? I think for, for Baylor, I mean, they – Correct me if I'm wrong. They've had some injury issues, kind of, in recent years that have kind of feel like that have kind of snuck up on them at certain points of the year. I, I feel like that's. I mean, am I wrong there? Yeah, that that has happened the last couple of years, and it's especially happened kind of in the trenches. I mean, especially on the offensive line. That's just that's been a real trouble spot for them. And you know, just talking to their coaching staff this off season, this is when they sort of feel like we finally got a whole rotation of guys that we feel like we can play. We finally got maybe eight to 10 guys. We feel like we can throw out there. And is that true? I don't know. I mean, it's easy to say during, you know, March, but, uh, but that's kind of to me, the big question mark is, can they be big 12 caliber depth on the offensive line? Yeah. And that's kind of, I mean, I bring this up just because I feel like every time and, you know, my focus is OU and I feel like every time OU Baylor comes around, there's just this injury that's kind of not backbreaking to the point where Baylor isn't competitive because they've shown they can be competitive in a lot of games. But you've seen that this this rebuild or retooling or whatever you want to call it of the program is, you know, it's taken a toll on the depth. They're, you know, they're getting back to, I think, they're, I think they're in a great direction. I love Matt Rule. Um I do think that the way they've been recruiting, at least the area, has it seems like it's been pretty decent. They've, you know, they've kind of snuck up on um, some teams, and I feel like across the board, uh, there's a lot of schools in Texas that have done a really good job of, I guess, getting more of the, you know, the the wealth being spread a little bit. And Texas is kind of recruiting like Texas again, but you're you're seeing Matt Rule go in there, and like, who wouldn't want to play for him? And I know you're a Baylor grad but you know I I I love what they're doing down there I love what what he's got going um and it's just and that's kind of like one of the things that like we talked about earlier was just with Texas Tech but if you don't have depth if you if you're not recruiting if you're if your second string guys aren't you know talented guys enough to go on the big 12 or to go play out big 12 football it's just it's so difficult for these guys to keep up with OU and Texas because I there's just times where you watch these games where it just feels like OU and Texas are playing a completely different game of football. And I mean, Texas is a more recent example, but just OU has been lucky enough to kind of roll out backups and be able to know that these are high caliber guys. But 
I, I do think that as that depth builds and this program kind of gets to where Matt Rule wants it to be, which I'm sure is much closer than it was a few years ago. But even then, they've still been pretty competitive. I, I like how gritty they are. And, I mean, if you can be gritty in the Big 12 and, you know, win ugly football games, it's not a bad recipe um, considering where some of the other teams are at. Because, I mean, if, you, if you're going to tell me tomorrow that Baylor and OU are going to get in a dogfight, I don't know if I feel great about OU winning a dogfight in Waco um just because of just not to say that they're not physical but they haven't sh- shown it at, at all for the past few years but um i do like where they're at i mean how do you feel i mean I, are you confident in what they're going to be able to do going into 2019 do you feel like matt rule is kind of like on on time with what, what where baylor wants to be you know it is kind of funny because year one they win one game but i don't think that anybody was looking at that team thinking this is a one win caliber team you know they they had some injuries early. They struggled to figure themselves out early. But, you know, they finished with one win, and deservedly so. But I think that if you are, you know, obviously we're big fans of Bill Connolly over here. You know, if you look at sort of their expected win stuff, I'd assume that they were more like a three or four win caliber team. Whereas last year, you know, I think that they were probably like more like a five win caliber team and they go and win seven. So I feel like they weren't as bad as they <laughs> as it looked like they were to start. And I think that you know, maybe they're right on the edge of where, you know, six, seven wins is, uh, you know, in terms of team production, in terms of team talent. But now you're going into year three and almost everybody's back. I mean, defensive end is a little bit of an issue, but that's that's kind of where you're at now, right? You, do, you don't have to kind of worry about giant positional things. You can kind of worry about individual issues on the roster, which, I mean, again, coming from 2017 to 2018 to now, I think they're just in, so much further along and they're so much more experienced. And you mentioned that depth. Um, and the biggest thing that you have to talk about is the schedule, I think, with Baylor, too. I mean, I picked them to finish fourth, and not because I necessarily thought they'd be the fourth-best team, but when you look at that schedule, their only road trips are to both Kansas schools, so two likely wins, to TCU, which, I mean, maybe that's a loss, but still, you know, it's it's in your backyard, and to Oklahoma State, which I also think is maybe a loss, but, like, if you're only picking up those two losses on the road, I mean, that's not a bad place to be. No, definitely. And I mean, you couldn't ask really for a better combination of road games. I mean, unless Baylor and OSU just are on a much further along path than I think they will be this year, at least I guess more so OSU. I don't know how great the Cowboys will be, and I'm sure we'll talk about them, but uh, I I don't think you're going to get Stillwater at night. And I think, like, I know Baylor had a pretty bad showing in a night game before in Stillwater, but that feels like too a soon, noon game soon. probably. Um, and then the other one was TCU. Um, yeah. I just, it, that, that sets up pretty well. And like Baylor, like Baylor in Waco. And I think you and I had a conversation in a group text or something like that. With just talking about McLean stadium, it keeps noise in so well. And it's just, it's such a good environment. You've obviously got a pretty, you know, good fan base that, you know, still cares about the program, it feels like. And, I mean, McLean Stadium is not a place that I don't think a lot of teams want to go to, especially when Baylor's good. It's uh, and That's what I really like about some of these stadiums like Baylor, like OSU, that, you know, they're not these behemoth, like, 85,000-seat stadiums. You know, they're 20,000 seats short, but you can – these smaller stadiums, and especially it being a bowl, just keeps sounding so well. Um, and th- that's such a thing about college football. It's just, it's so strange where 
kind of where you play and just kind of how the schedule shakes out. Cause I think, OU got a little bit uh, lucky last year having like seven home games um, and just scheduling so important. But I mean, just to give props to McLean, it's an, and it's a, it's a beautiful stadium, but yeah, um, it, it's a tricky place to play. And when you've got a, when you got a coach like Matt rule, who I think has invested a lot of time and re-energizing the fan base, I mean, good things can really happen. And I, I would expect Baylor to take a, a step this year. I'm just, I'm not completely sold that they'll overthrow an Iowa State. For sure, um, for but sure. I, I could see them taking number like the fourth spot, like and being in a decent bowl game. Yeah, well, I, I think that you know, and, and don't want to stay on Baylor the whole time, but you know, you get Texas, Oklahoma, Iowa State at home. If you can win one of those, then all of a sudden you're talking about you know fairly easily. Up, maybe up to eight wins, you know, so so I think the, the option is there. But I just want to quickly touch on Oklahoma State, you know, a team that's kind of in your area. Uh, they haven't had two bad seasons in a row very often. And that's the one thing where you're like, is Mike Gundy just going to pull something out of his butt and all of a sudden Spencer Sanders is going to win the Heisman and all of a sudden, you know, Tylen Wallace is obviously incredible. But it's just looking at this team right now, I mean, where does it come from? I have no clue, and I thought for a second I when I was going over who I wanted as my preseason offensive player of the year, I considered Tylen Wallace for maybe a few seconds, but I'm just not sold on what Spencer Sanders can do in year one. I think Gundy did himself a terrible disservice by not putting him in at least a few games. You get four. You get four games as a redshirt, right. and he, he, could, he couldn't have played one. Um, and they, their offensive line situation is kind of, it's kind of shaky. Um, Gundy, as far as a recruiter is, you know, he, he loves his Oklahoma boys, which is great. I think Oklahoma high school football talent's great. And I'm probably biased there, but you're, you're not going to win this arms race with OU or Texas, uh, purely recruiting locally. Um, and that's just, it, it worries me that they might be putting too much trust in what Spencer Sanders can do. Cause I'm not completely sure how great of a quarterback he will be. Um, and then you do have a really good running back in Shuba Hubbard. Who's, you know, he's a train and I really like what he can do. I just don't know if they're going to have an offensive line. If they can find a way to get the ball to Tylen Wallace, um, I think OSU can probably keep up in some track meets with some teams, but I just, I, there are times where I feel like Gundy, not to say that he's like mailing it in, but there's just times where his, his energy is so low. And I didn't feel like there was a lot of uh, excitement with that program last year. Like the fans just seemed like, it just seemed so apathetic. Uh, not, not the fan base, you know, just not caring, but, but there was yeah, like I think an Gundy acceptance kind of portrayed that, an apathetic attitude. Yeah. Yeah. No, there was just kind of like an acceptance that this was just a bad year. And, you know, I, but there haven't necessarily been a whole ton of wholesale changes to, to do about it. And and granted, you know, they bring in a new offense coordinator. I, I want to say there's is a Sean Gleason, right? The former offense coordinator yeah. from Princeton, uh, who was yes. the best, you know, there were two great, great, great offensive coordinators in the FCS last year. One was at Princeton. That was Sean Gleason. Uh, and Princeton doesn't, uh, doesn't play in the playoff against other uh, FCS opponents, which is very sad, honestly, because I'd love to see that happen. But uh, And then after that, Bodie Reeder, who became the offense coordinator at North Texas. So, you know, two guys who really, really dominated uh, at the FCS level. And Gundy's done this before. He's found really good offensive coordinators before just by plucking out of nowhere. And maybe that ends up being the difference. But, 
you're right. I mean, you kind of go into next year needing something to be pretty significantly different for this team to be a lot better. Yeah, I, they definitely need, I think, Tylen Wallace to do something. I mean, he could have a bullet in a cough here, and I wouldn't be shocked. And as I mentioned, like if he if he were to end up as Offensive Player of the Year, because I don't know how many other receivers are around him that are going to be able to produce like he can, I wouldn't be surprised just because I think he's going to put up crazy numbers. It's just a matter of Spencer Sanders getting the ball to him. Um, but I just think that his like his you know his timetable or uh, his timeline is going to be is going to be behind because they put so much stock into a senior quarterback and Taylor Cornelius who yeah like he's he's been around and he's he's a good story but he wasn't getting you anywhere I didn't see what the point was in delaying the progress of Sanders getting him some time in games. And just, I'm, I mean, I'm sure a lot of fans know this, like you need a good quarterback to compete in this league. If you don't have a quarterback, it's, it's just not going to work out. And, there, and there's some years where I feel like a Kansas state team just throws an offensive lineman at quarterback and we'll roll him out. But just there, there are so many instances where just OSU, I felt like your season's basically over. Why not try it? But that's just, uh, I mean, I think we'll see more and more what Gundy is if that kind of season re-energizes him. Because, I mean, he obviously loves kind of, I don't want to say he loves being in the spotlight, but, you know, like he's he's a goofy guy who doesn't mind getting a little, you know, funny around the media. I'm sure he'll be uh, cracking jokes at media days and he'll charm us all. But um, it's just, it's such a weird thing. It's such a weird, like, the whole, his flirting with other programs every other year to leverage a raise is just, I don't know what his motivation is, but maybe, maybe last year reinvigorates him. And I kind of hope it does because it's, it's so much more fun in the big 12 when it's not just a OU Texas race. So looking at TC, you talk about quarterback play, obviously with Oklahoma state. I mean, where's it coming from this year? They still got what, like six guys in their competition, depending on whether Matthew Baldwin gets, uh, gets immediate eligibility, which I, I don't know if he will. I mean, I think, you know, he just arrived. He, there wasn't like a great reason, but at the same time, everybody else seems to be getting immediate eligibility too. Um, you know, but they bring in Alex Delton, which is a weird move to me. They obviously have uh, Michael Collins back. They have uh, a freshman, Max Duggan. They've got their redshirt freshman who they really liked, but is still coming back from drop foot, Justin Rogers. I mean, it, this feels like the team that hinges perhaps the most on whether they can find a good quarterback, right? Uh, definitely. I mean, if Baldwin, his appeal's still up in the air, correct? Yeah, like, yeah, still up in the air. Okay. I mean, if they can get Baldwin in, I think that would be a huge one for Gary Patterson. If it's Delton, uh, I I just I can't imagine the Frogs being any much better. And, you know, TCU pulled some games out last year, and that was a lot of credit. I think Gary Patterson, he gets probably a lot of credit for his coaching, but I thought last year was a – decent job kind of toward the end of the stretch where he got them bowl eligible. Um, but there, that's just a team that I don't know why you take on Delton. There's nothing particularly that strikes me as just that guy is going to win you football games. Um, I was excited to see what Justin Rogers could do. And he coming out of high school, he seemed like a promising guy, but uh, that's just such a, weird situation and kind of like our, what we were talking about with OSU and Tyler Wallace. Like, I mean, it feels kind of sad if Jalen Rieger's, I mean, 
he's a junior now, senior now. Yeah, he's a junior. Um, yeah, he's a junior. It just it would be it would just be such a waste of talent. Um, and just not that those quarterbacks can't find a way to get the ball to him, but just that offense could be really good. But it just feels like maybe another gap here where TCU is trying to kind of get back into that contending range because I don't I just don't see it with them um, as far as offensively. I think that I think that defense is going to keep them in games, um, kind of like some of the guys they got coming back in the secondary. Uh, but just overall, that's that's a team that they need to find a quarterback quick, and I don't think Delton's the answer. And they they need to hope that either Baldwin gets his appeal or whatever it may be. But just that's a that's not a great. I would I wouldn't feel comfortable as a TCU fan going into the season. But I mean, you know, when, I don't know when you do, just because it's such a tough league to win. And that's another team, kind of what we were talking about with like the tiers. Like that's a team that could finish in you know kind of low in the lower half and I wouldn't really be shocked yeah yeah no doubt we're gonna kind of skip over Iowa State obviously you know Matt Campbell has done an incredible job there and I do think that they probably deserve to be the consensus number three team but I think that at the top Texan Oklahoma I mean you mentioned uh when you were talking about Baylor just about the depth that Oklahoma has and Texas is kind of starting to build that depth but when I was making my decision between Oklahoma and Texas, I think that Texas actually heading into next year at some certain positions has some better top-end talent. Like, I do think it's fair to say that right now you take Sam Ellinger right now at quarterback. I do think it's fair, obviously, all over the defense. There's guys like Caden Stearns, Brandon Jones, um, and even at receiver. I mean, Colin Johnson would definitely you know, be one of the top guys at Oklahoma, too. But you just Oklahoma's just the depth for me. That That's really the big thing that that in my opinion kind of sets them apart what, what do you think of that matchup i think it's going to be a beautiful game i think the red river rivalry in, in in dallas is going to be an amazing game of just this compilation of talent that i think riley and herman have brought in it's going to be a fun sight i do think that the the one thing that I think OU fans are going to have to come to grips with is that Sam Ellinger is a really good quarterback. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that that's a guy that if Texas can, can win that game in October and they can, and they can be the front runner in the big 12. I mean, I'm just saying he's probably going to end up in New York if that happens. Um, but he's got some good pieces around him. Uh, you mentioned Caden Stearns, who I absolutely just think the world of, I was just, I know we might get into this a little bit, but he was my defensive player of the year. It's a, I know it's just preseason, but the fact that Kenneth Murray of all players got it over him, I just thought was just the weirdest thing. Um, not that Kenneth Murray's bad, but Caden Stearns is the best defensive playmaker in the Big Twelve. It just that that Texas team having having a really good secondary. And the fact that they have what could be, you know, one of the top three, top two offenses in the league is going to put them in position to kind of parlay that that success they had last year and I think really make a run at the playoff. Um, and wh- it's why I mentioned I, I was a bit surprised that Texas didn't have more votes uh, in the in the preseason poll because um, they they finally they've got the experienced quarterback, they've got the skill guys, um, they're they're Zach uh, Shackleford um, anchoring that line. I just really like what they've got going. And I, I do think Tom Herman's a, has done a great job recruiting. 
Um, they've been, I mean, when you're getting four, four, four star guys consistently, I mean, you know, you can be a, a person that says, you know, stars don't matter, but they do matter when it's November and you need to throw out a guy because one guy, you know, is injured just, or banged up. You, you need that depth. But, um, I do like what Texas has come back. Um, it, you know, it's kind of a weird thing with OU Texas. Cause I do feel like you could just pencil in OU Texas for the big 12 title game for the next few years, at least just the way the teams are recruiting. But, um, I think we're going to get to OU Texas games this year, which would be, uh, I think it'd be a lot of fun. I thought last year it wasn't nearly as weird as I thought it would be not playing in, in at the cotton bowl, but it, I, I'm so excited for, for that game in Dallas, just as a college football fan. And I, I was going to ask you, have you covered that game before? Like in person? Uh, last year was, was the first time that I ever had, and it was a crazy experience. Is it not just one of the craziest sporting spectacles to be a part of? And I'm not just saying this as an OU writer, just as a college football fan, it is one of the craziest things to experience. Yeah. I mean, there are only a couple games because I, I didn't grow up around college football. You know, I kind of came to college football a little later. Obviously, kind of the Texas Vince Young team kind of drew me in. And then when you go to college and Baylor was good, obviously, when I was there with Chelps. But, uh, you know, Texas Oklahoma was one of those games that it's just like, it, it doesn't matter. It's like Duke UNC, right? You just put it on your TV. It doesn't really matter whether you watch college football or not. And, you know, you go to the game and it just that atmosphere, just the way that it's set up, all the fans that hate each other right next to each other and man it, it really does live up to the hype it's so much fun because i mean it's not great kind of like trying to leave because you've got the people <laughs> that are just there for the texas state fair right and it, that makes it not not great like you're just like bumping shoulders with people um as a reporter it's 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 not fun but uh, that that part just it's it's kind of a it, you're kind of trying to go through a mosh pit of like half people that are super excited super happy and then just you know another half that's kind of depressed uh, but at least you I mean with with the way last year kind of worked out you knew that you had another shot a few months down the line to get it and that's what you did is they they won the rematch, but it's just such a cool thing, man. And I, I do wish college football had more of that because I, I mean, you, you just don't see stuff like that. And um, I, I, it, it's good to see that, like, in the Big Twelve, of the, you know, I think they've done a great job of being underrated at being really good. But you know, the Big Twelve has to love that having that game as a part of their portfolio, just of what they can put out each year. And the fact that Texas is good again, I mean, that that's. That could that could be a top ten matchup, which I would would bet money it would be just kind of the way the schedules worked out. Just uh, as long as Texas doesn't have another weird September like they did last year, where I thought after they lost to Maryland and barely beat Tulsa, I was like, ooh, this might not this might not go well for Tom Herman. This might this might be bad, but they they look really good. Yeah, it's it's one of the few uh, sort of neutral side games that's done right. But you did mention it, uh, Kenneth Murray. I mean. Look, I think that the argument is that Kenneth Murray is probably going to lead the Big 12 in tackles deservedly. He's a really good player. He makes a lot of big plays. But, like, I don't know. Just for me, I, I can't give defensive player of the year to a guy who's going to be on maybe a bottom three defense. Yeah, it's not great. I think Alex Grinch was a great hire for, for the oh, Sooners. Oh, absolutely. But- 
just that whole deal, man. It's just, uh, it's not going to be great. I, I think it's still probably a year or two away. Yeah, and, and don't get me wrong. I, I definitely think that Grinch is the guy who can kind of get things fixed. But, I mean, to a... And I'm not the type of person who says that to be a good football player, you need to you know, be on a good team by any means because there's a lot of things that are out of Kenneth Murray's control when it comes to Oklahoma's defense, obviously. But like, at the same time, I mean, we actually kind of went through it a little bit with Ed Oliver last year at Houston. I mean, Ed Oliver was the best, arguably the best player in the country last year. And still, even when he was on the field, Houston wasn't a good defense. And he can both be the most, you know, the best overall player on defense and in the country and in the state and whatever, and still not be, I guess, the most impactful defender. And when I'm looking at the guy who I want to name defensive player of the year, I don't know, just for me, I feel like it has to go to somebody who's a super impactful defender. And ultimately I think that does mean being on a team that's good at defense. Yeah. I I do think people, and you know, I'm not going to sit here and act like I don't do this for some of the picks, but like, if you look at his, uh, if you look at his stats from last year, just like, Oh, he's at the top of the list for this, 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 and that. And you can kind of plug him in and just be like, well, you know, he had a really good production last year and he plays for arguably the best team in the big 12. So he should be defense player of the year. Um, but yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you. Oh, you just, it just doesn't feel like it's going to be quite there yet. Um, and, and Murray will, like you said, rack up tackles. And that's just more so going to be a fact that OU is going to play a lot of, you know, they're going to play a lot of snaps because they're going to be giving up a lot of points. They're going to really have to hope that the offense and Jalen Hurts doesn't miss too much of a beat, not having Kyler Murray back there. Because otherwise, you know, OU could, I, I mean, I think there's a, there's a pretty good chance that they take a step back and, you know, they could, I think they still have a shot at making the playoff, but this is a team that if that defense doesn't start to show at least some more effort and energy, which is kind of what they've been preaching all spring, but that's what we hear every year is that, you know, like we're focused, uh, we we're more disciplined, we're communicating better. Uh, and I think the fi- the fact that they finally got rid of Mike Stoops, like might actually gives me some reason to be like, okay, maybe I'll hear you out this time. Um, but it's just difficult to say, but Kenneth Murray, he's still a really good football player. I don't mean to dog him too much, but just, he's going to get a lot of tackles because they're going to play a lot of downs, but, uh, it's going to be tough. I think for it's for any of those guys really to, to make an impact on these defense, just because there's, they're going to be breaking a lot of guys, uh, on that defensive line at linebacker, Kenneth Murray's really the only proven guy, but, they they need they need someone to kind of lead that way and it, that's the other thing that kind of concerns me is Kenneth Murray isn't a vocal dude he's not like a he doesn't strike me and you know I'm not saying he needs to be Brian Bosworth by any means but like you know they they need a guy like a Eric Stryker to kind of step in and be like this is you know this is my defense this is my unit like this is what we're gonna do but I just don't know if he has that guy yeah yeah I mean. Again, like you said, they're probably a year away, maybe two years away. They're, it's coming. Again, Alex Grinch is the right hire. I think they've got the talent coming in on both sides of the ball now, but it, it's just that's a lot to ask for a defense that was really just not very good last year. But um, moving on to, I, I think that Offensive Player of the Year and Newcomer of the Year were pretty obvious choices. I mean, I I didn't vote for Sam Mellinger for Offensive Player of the Year, but I mean, he's 
overwhelming uh, first team Big 12 quarterback in my opinion. Um, you know, I voted for Jalen Rager just because I think that he is everything on that offense, and if they're gonna really do anything, it's up to him. Uh, and newcomer of the year, Jalen Hurts from obviously Oklahoma. You know, he's he's a Channel View kid. He's a kid from the states. I, I mean, how has he transitioned so far into Oklahoma? I think he's done a great job of transitioning, being a leader right away. There was one thing that OU's, uh, I think he's a junior now, going into his junior year, cornerback uh, Justin Broyles talking to him um, during spring practices. Uh, we Someone asked him about uh, Jalen Hurts, and he said something to the effect of, uh, when Jalen's in the room, you know Jalen's in the room. And he has this presence about him, and I think maybe that – stems from being you know a part of Alabama and being a part of you know the biggest name in college football next to Clemson uh but I think Jalen Hurts brings a very business-like attitude to a team that you know I'm not you got two Heisman winners Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield but you know I think they kind of need like a like sometimes I think this team kind of needed a parent rather than a cheerleader um and I think Baker and Kyler did a really good job of getting this team very hyped up, but Jalen seems like a guy that could probably get this team in line more than anything. And that's kind of the vibe I got was just that like, you know, he is, he is already a leader. We, we respect him. Um, and how can you not respect them for the stuff that he's done? Uh, but yeah, he was a very obvious choice for newcomer of the year. Um, it's interesting you picked Rager. I picked uh, C.D. Lamb for Offensive Player of the Year, but that was just because I was not ready to pull the plug on Sam Ellinger being that guy. Um, but if he wins it, which I expected him to be the the preseason guy, and I'm just I'm not sure he'll quite get there. But it's a uh, there's about five or six different guys I think you could have went with for Offensive Player of the Year. If you were, if I were to ask you right now, who is the first team All Big Twelve quarterback at the end of the year? I mean, obviously, you've got Ellinger is an option. You've got Jalen Hurts is an option. You've got Brewer. You've got Brock Purdy from Iowa State. You've got Alan Bowman from. Uh, in fact, actually, let's open it up even more. Who's going to be the offensive player of the year at the end of the year? If you, if I had to ask you today, I I mean, and I, I don't mean for this to come off as a homer pick. <laughs> I think it's going to be Jalen Hurts. Like I think. I think people are going to be really sh- shocked at how he comes into this and, you know, not to belittle what the big 12 does, but I mean, the game is going to be faster. And I think that's, I think that's going to suit Jalen pretty well. He's been going up against sec defenses, which I'm not saying that he's going to step in and he's going to be able to play big 12 defense. So it's going to be easier. I just think with what his skill set brings, it didn't always lend what Alabama was doing. Um, and they kind of got more into that once Tua became the starter, kind of being able to spread the ball more and, you know, actually air it out. But I just – until until Lincoln Riley proves us wrong, I, I will always probably go with an OU quarterback. Um, I just – the guy the, – the, the way he turned Kyler Murray into a Heisman candidate, which there were so many times, Shahan, where I thought the wheels were going to come off on that on that season last year. <laughs> Kyler, you know, for as great as he is, and he was a Texas high school football legend, um, but having two years away from the game, kind of what happened at Texas A&M, I just wasn't sure. I just wasn't sure at all. Um, But there's just something to be said about the way Lincoln Riley develops quarterbacks. Um, And I just, I think if you had to ask me today, I think it would probably be Jalen Hurts. Um, But I think, 
I think it's going to be a very tight race. And honestly, it might just come down to who has the better record, OU or Texas, and the quarterback of the team with a better record is going to get it. Like, that's honestly what it might come down to. Um, I think it's going to be a tight race. I mean, do you feel like do you feel like I'm, you know, too much of a reach putting Jalen, giving him that much hype right now? No, no. I mean, again, like you said, the last two quarterbacks to play for Lincoln Riley, and, and well, I guess technically every quarterback at Oklahoma uh, who has started full-time for Lincoln Riley has won the Heisman, so obviously that's the standard now too, right? But, um, but you know, the big question that I think that I have about Oklahoma is, is it going to all all the credit is it all going to go to Jalen Hurts or will CD Lamb get some of the votes will Kennedy Brooks get some of the votes will Trey Sermon get some of the votes that, that's really more the big question to me is like Oklahoma is going to have the best offense in the Big 12 and I don't think it's going to be a question but do they kind of split votes to the point where somebody's like okay well you know obviously Oklahoma was the better offense but maybe Brock Purdy is the guy who is most important to his offense or something like that that's kind of I think what I'm curious to see what happens yeah, and I think you bring up a good point about splitting because I would honestly take it in a little bit of a different direction because I think there's a good chance that OU, who signed three five-star receivers, yeah. which just saying that out loud uh, just seems so ridiculous. So um, but they have they have a very deep receiving core. They've got an all-Big 12 tight end in Grant Calcaterra. Um, and then you've got a running back room that I think – Kennedy Brooks and Trey Sermon, if they were both to rush for a thousand yards, I wouldn't be shocked. I think they've got some young guys too on that team that might have breakout years, but it, just as far as taking it from splitting votes, like I think a lot of those guys as well, like it could affect uh, their standing as all big 12 guys because their stats might be so spread out. I, I didn't even put Grant Calatera as uh, my all big 12 tight end because uh, they have a really highly touted, tight end freshman uh, Austin Stogner, who they think the world of could be, you know, the next Mark Andrews. I think that they'll split so much time. I, I think I ended up putting Charlie Kolar from Iowa state just because he's such a pure tight end. And I, I like what he was able to do last year and having a full season with Brock Purdy could, could be a really good difference maker, but just that overall, just as far as the skill guys that they have, it's, I think a lot of the credit will go to Jalen, um, and it's honestly kind of a good situation, Shahan. The fact that we talk about, you know, if there was any way, and like I think a lot of people kind of know that uh, it's going to take a miracle for OU to have three straight Heisman winners. <laughs> but if if Lincoln, if Lincoln, like, because I think there is going to be voter fatigue. But of all, of, if there was a perfect situation for OU to put another quarterback in New York, it's probably Jalen Hurts, just because of the national respect there. And it would be such a turnaround story for a guy that was benched at halftime of the national title game. Like that would be, that would be an incredible story. I think that would be the only way you could, you would ever see it happen. Any other time I would think that voters would be just like, no, it's a system at this point. But if, if Jalen comes in and he can turn his entire kind of legacy around almost, I think it, I think it would bode well for him. But, um, I just think Lincoln Riley is, as a developer of quarterbacks, that it's going to be, I think a lot of credit is going to go to Jalen if he can kind of reinvent himself. And kind of what you hear around the program is that he's really taken to just evolving his game. And I don't think he'll be nearly as one-dimensional as people might think, but that just might be me being too close to the situation. Um, 
because I think a lot of people probably think that Sam Ellinger is a little bit one-dimensional, but I think that, you know, the two of them are really great quarterbacks. And, you know, I'm probably not giving enough credit. You bring up Brock Purdy, Charlie Brewer. There's a lot of quarterbacks in this league that are have a chance to kind of, you know, break out and be like the most important guy to their team. And, I mean, let me ask you this. is just when you vote for these guys, is do you look at, like, who is the most valuable guy on, on that roster? Because – it's such an open-ended question, like who is the best player in the Big 12? Yeah, I, I definitely try to take into account value just because, I mean, again, if I, I don't want to minimize Jalen Hurts, but, you know, if Jalen Hurts goes down, like Tanner Mordecai is really good too, you know, and, and Lincoln Riley is kind of put out quarterback. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely take it into account. Um, you know, that was a big reason for my Jalen Rager pick. That's a big reason for my Caden Stearns pick. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, production matters too, and, like, that's the reason that you can't argue too hard against Kenneth Murray because he's probably going to lead the Big 12 in tackles. And that's why you can't argue that hard against Sam Ellinger because he's probably going to lead the Big 12 in a whole bunch of stat categories. Anyway, we, we have to get out of here soon. Um, but one last question. Again, this is Joe Bettner from the Norman Transcript. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter, by Joe Bettner. In fact, I think that you are. You have the Branson uh, integration going, right? You got by Joe Bettner across, like, every platform now, too. So, uh, but last question. You're a Norman guy, you uh, went to Oklahoma, you work at the Norman Transcript. If you're a Houston fan and you're going up to Oklahoma for the first game of the season on the Sunday uh, of opening weekend, what do you need to do while you're up in Norman? Can I say multiple things? Of course. Uh, you need to stop by Ray's Barbecue. That would be, probably be my first stop. Um, I, we, we've, I think me and you have disputed if Oklahoma has a brand of barbecue um but it's probably the the kind of kind of what i think of when i think of oklahoma barbecue which is an iconic as you know certain places but it's probably the best restaurant in town i would go there uh just thinking about stuff in norman you know like when people ask me like you know like what's to do because i'm a pure defender of oklahoma saying like there's stuff to do here and then when people put me on the spot i'm just like ah what is there to do here um but I think if you can go to Ray's Barbecue and get a bite to eat, that'll be a really good. Campus Corner is really fun on a Saturday night if you if you wanna if you wanna go check that out. And I, I feel like other places kind of have a similar setup where it's just like a strip of bars. Um, that's where you'll want to be. And honestly, there's a lot of places in Oklahoma City uh, to check out that I think are are worth it. You know, if you want if you really want to like you know do the whole Oklahoma travel thing, you know the the Oklahoma bombing Memorial is a really cool thing to check out the myriad gardens, uh, or sorry, not the myriad gardens. Uh, it's an old, uh, place in Oklahoma, but, uh, the botanical gardens, um, is really pretty. So if you're just looking for stuff to do family wise and maybe get some historic aspect out of it, that's what I would go do because Oklahoma city and Norman are pretty close. I pretty much commute between the two like every day. So it's not too bad of a drive. And you'll probably, if you're flying in, that's where you're, that's where you'll go. But, uh, Ray's Barbecue, Campus Corner. You really can't go wrong if you're just trying to stick around Norman. Um, and maybe pick up a Norman transcript uh, <laughs> at, at your local 7-Eleven or CVS. Absolutely. 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 Well, thanks again to the Norman transcripts, Joe Bettner. And that's about it for us. Uh, as I mentioned, you can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Find all our work at textfootball.com. Thanks again to our sponsor, North Texas Honda Dealers. And Joe, we'll see you again next week at Big 12 Media Days. Thanks, John. All right. Have a good week, everyone, and we'll see you guys again next week.